0: Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles, and we're going to be, um, we're going to start in Mark chapter 1. Uh, we we're going to be in verses 21 to 28 that we read just a few moments ago, but we're also going to be in Matthew 24, or I'm sorry, Matthew 4 this morning, so we're going to look at several things. This is Advent, and I hope that you were able to get one of uh, Jeff Pitt's Advent books, Advent reading books. They're good books. Uh, we, we read, first of all, about creation, then we read about imagers, that the fact that we are the image of God. Um, Guys, if you remember, he told us we're not to make any image of him, and that's because we are the image of him. We're, we're not to make any idols. We are it. We're the representatives of God on earth. When people are seeing us, they're seeing God's image, and that's what we're supposed to be respecting among each other, but that's not all. We're supposed to be giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the truth of that gospel and the truth of who God is. Amen. Um, before I go any further, I want to make sure that you, you understand. Thank you so much for your pastor appreciations. I, I know I'm speaking for the other guys, too. I just happen to be the one that gets to be public right now. Um, but we appreciate so very much. You, you send us cards. You, you're, you're gracious to us. You meet us in the hall or whatever else, and you tell us you appreciate. We appreciate you very, very much, and we want to thank you for the appreciation you're given. And I personally, and I know I'm speaking with my wife in this one, I want to thank you so much for the support you gave us. While I was out, um, that uh, that recovery took a little while, and I appreciate the fact that you supported us the whole time. We appreciate you so very, very much for doing that. Thank you for giving me the time to recover there and uh, the, 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 the time to change my heart. Um, anyway, um, we're going to be looking now into Matthew, or Mark chapter 1, where he had said this. Then they went into Capernaum immediately on the Sabbath, and he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Mark is telling us that, and he's letting us know that Jesus did did things that were authoritative. And it's rightly so, because Jesus is the author. When you're the creator of everything, you know how things work. And he is that creator. So, I want to just speak, first of all, what Advent is. Advent means coming. And As we said last week, there's, there's three comings. Uh, one, the coming of Christ on earth, when that Messiah came on earth. The second one, when that Messiah came to you, and you, you brought him. And the third coming is the one we call the second coming, when Jesus Christ is going to return to earth to claim that which he already has won, uh, as he gets his coronation then. But I want to just go over what Advent means. Advent, uh, as we see in the first one, Messiah is coming to earth. Here's what it was. It's, first of all, foretold. Foretold. God says what makes him different from all the other gods is that he is eternal, so much so that he knows what happened in the beginning, and he knows what's happening at the end. So he can tell us at the beginning of something how it's going to end but he can also tell us what the beginning was because there wasn't a lot of written records around when the beginning happened. God is the one who was there and God's the one who knew how it was done. I can see when Adam and Eve could have started recording after they were here, but that's six days into this thing. Who's going to tell us what the first five were? Only God. And he's the one who knew what it was. We trust and rely on that. But that same God who foretold, or or who was the one who made all of those things and could tell us what they were, also foretold the coming of Messiah. He said there would be a Messiah coming in many different places throughout the Old Testament. He told us the Messiah was coming. And because the Messiah was coming, it was expected. People looked forward to it. So when you are having a month that you're calling Advent, it should be a month that you're saying, I am having this advent. I'm remembering this advent because the Messiah was promised. It was foretold. I'm not just, Jesus is not just a second thought, just somebody that appeared and said, I know, I'll just be your Messiah. No, it was from the beginning. That's where this whole thing was, from before the beginning, as a matter of fact. It all happened. It was foretold. So when it does happen, you're looking for it. You're expecting it. And if you're one of those who are like the rest of us here, you're looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you, I hope you're looking for that coming where Jesus is actually coming to you. You may not have trusted him just yet. If you have not, then I hope today will be a wonderful day for you, a day for you to remember a day that will be important to you to write down that I this day trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There's no reason to put it off any longer. You may have been putting it off thinking that I can't keep up with it and so forth. Don't do that, friend. Of course you can't keep up with it. If he thought you'd keep up with it, he wouldn't have died on a cross for you. He'd just tell you keep up. But he did. He died for you and he's raised again for you. And you can have that. I hope that you're expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to come. And if you're one of those who's, who's a student of prophecy, I hope you're expecting that second coming. I hope you're looking forward to You're watching the, the, the signs that go on all around you, and you're saying, these are wonderful times to be alive. Now, as we tried to share with you before, everything with God is bittersweet. It's got the sweet stuff to it that tells you about a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But in that bittersweet story, there's also giants in the land. There's also people you're going to have to fight to get that, right? So it's not all just going to be easy peasy. It is a difficult thing, but you're expecting it. You have an expectation. When there's Advent, there's expectation. Number, letter C. It requires some preparation for it. John was sent ahead of time to prepare things, to get people with the knowledge. There was already a certain anticipation, an expectation that Messiah was going to come. But how would you know when? Here comes John saying he's on his way. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. Prepare your hearts. Advent time is a great time for us to be preparing our hearts, to start looking things over and saying, look, how, if, if Jesus was going to be the guest in my house, what would I want my house to look like? If Jesus is going to come to be the guest in my personal house, my, my body and my frame, what would I want it to be? How should I prepare for the coming of the Lord? It requires preparation. When they came to Mount Sinai, the, the, the Father would not let anybody do anything for three days. He said, for three days, get yourselves ready because you're going to meet with me on that third day. So there was preparation that people were supposed to do it. John told him, make straight the ways of the Lord. Turn, put, it, put your sin aside and come to the, the Messiah himself. It requires preparation. Letter D, it attracts attention. Listen, when the kingdom of God rolls around, it attracts attention somebody's going to take notice of it. It's not a secret or surprise. When Jesus Christ comes again, he, one of the things he was telling the disciples, they said, how we know when you're coming? He said, oh, don't worry. If somebody says, hey, he's out in the desert. There's a secret coming of Jesus. Don't go. That's not true. They tell you, no, he's, he's in the quiet place. No, don't go. I will tell you this. It's lightning flashes from the east to the west, as you see the whole thing bursting wide open, that's my coming. And it won't be a surprise. Everybody's going to see it. They're going to know it. It's not going to be one of those things. It will attract attention. And I promise you, when Messiah comes, he does attract attention. More about that in just a moment. It draws the children of God. Now, I don't know how this works, kids. I wish I did. I don't. I don't know how it works, that there seems to be among certain people a certain pull that God is giving. There are some people who seem to have that desire inside them to want to know God. I don't know how that happens, but I do know this. Jesus gave a parable one day that said this. And a man went out to sow seed. And when he had sowed the seed, a a, a neighbor got up the next day, an enemy, and sowed seed among where he had sowed it. He sowed weeds. This one sowed. When Jesus is telling what that story meant, he said, the Son of Man is the one who sowed the seed. And what he sowed, not word, it was the sons of the kingdom. That's what he said he sowed. And then he said the enemy are the sons of the wicked one, the seed of the wicked one. Everybody follow where I'm at? I don't know how that works, but I do know this. That when the children of God hear the voice of God, when the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, they follow him. They know his voice and they will come after him. So this day, let me just say this. If you are hearing the call of the shepherd, if you're hearing the voice of God calling you, come on home. Why stay around further around, wandering around in foolishness when you could be at home enjoying your father? Don't, don't go any other place. Come on home. Don't wander around looking for another Messiah. There's not another Messiah. There's not another philosophy. There's not another way to do things that'll make it better. Nope. There's not a political solution. There's not an economic solution, not a social solution. There's only Jesus. Please come to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Letter E. Or letter F. It offends the proud and the children of the devil listen, when the proud and the children of the devil hear the gospel, they're offended by it. They want to find all, everything wrong with what they possibly can. If they can't find anything wrong with the message, they'll find something wrong with the messenger. The church is, is hypocrites. I don't want to go where their hypocrites are. You go shopping. I, I promise you, though I don't know it, and I'm, I don't want to offend Aldi management, but I know that Aldi has hypocrites in it. There are there are hypocrites in Aldi. And like it or not, hypocrites buy food at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> There's your revelation for today. All right? Yes. Uh-huh. I see the surprise on your face. I know it. People don't don't listen to that. That they're just telling you we don't belong to God. That's all they're saying. Don't get yourself all bent out of shape because of it. They're just telling you they're offended by the gospel. Letter G, it riles the demonic and unclean spirits. Boy, when Jesus comes to town, you can bet that every one of the unclean spirits are going to come to life. They're going to look for him somewhere or another. They're going to confront him somewhere or another. They're going to rile up people. They're going to do whatever they can. Letter H, it upsets the imbalance of the world corrupted by rebellion. When there's the whole world here has been corrupted by our rebellion, and because it's been corrupted by our rebellion, they set up systems to keep that buoyed up. As soon as the gospel of freedom comes into it, that upsets the imbalance that they have there, and authorities get all upset. There are all kinds of people. I know there's one particular country that prides itself because of one particular religious group that it's a part of. And when the gospel comes into it, they shut it down just as quick as they can. Why? Because they know the gospel is from God. Plain and simple, okay? And it riles up the demonic. It upsets the imbalance of the world corrupted by it. It speaks the truth about the kingdom and its restoration. How many utopias have there been uh, since people began? everybody's been dreaming of utopia. Even from the Tower of Babel on, we want to have some kind of utopia. Most utopias deal with some sort of a kingdom that does not have God in it, but has some elite group that's really sharp that can lead everybody else. Everybody else is just a bunch of dummies. But here's this elite group that seems to understand. Listen, If if you read Karl Marx and thought he was really a genius, can I just share with this? Karl Marx never understood what's going to happen because he wouldn't understand people. It'll always be an elite system. Communism is never going to be for everybody. It will always be the elites who are fed by everybody else. It's always going to be that way. It can't be any other way. Sorry, Karl, there isn't any communist utopia. And there's no socialist utopia either. So if you're getting sucked into that crowd that tells you we, we all just ought to love one another, no, if they're going to tell you that you need to take from somebody who's got so that you can give to somebody who doesn't have, they're lying to you. That's called theft. And that's the way that that will operate that way. It'll, it speaks the truth about the kingdom. That's not the way the kingdom is. The kingdom is under the authority of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, the one true, holy, righteous God, and everything he does is just and righteous. And Jesus speaks the truth about the kingdom. If you wanted to see what are are some truths about the kingdom, read Matthew 5 through 7. That's truth about the kingdom of God. He gives you truth everywhere. Go read Isaiah chapter 66. Read Isaiah 65. It's all about the kingdom of God. There is a beautiful kingdom that Jesus Christ is coming to restore. He's coming to bring it all. More about that. No, I'm just going to go ahead and do that now. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of angels and the kingdom of earth. I know I've shown this before. Why am I repeating it again? Because I want to make sure we get it because that is the gospel. Let me just share this, and with all all apologies to Al, Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus did not preach the crucifixion and resurrection of him. Why? Because he was still alive. You follow that? Now, that doesn't t- diminish the crucifixion and burial and resurrection and ascension of Christ. That's the conclusion of the story. Jesus' preaching was the gospel of the kingdom that there's something that has disrupted the kingdom. The kingdom of God has been broken by rebellion in the kingdom of angels and rebellion in the kingdom of people, and they have been contending with each other. For all the, the, This group, the angel group, decided that they would consume people group. So in Genesis chapter 6, they intermarried with them to create a whole new group of people they could work with. That was rejected by God Almighty, and a flood destroyed it all. Then men said, you know what? You angels got us into trouble before. And as far as we're concerned, God gets us into trouble. So we're done with both of you. We're going to have our own name. And they created the Tower of Babel, their own kingdom. They've declared their independence from God. That too was wrong. Why? Because God created the kingdom of God. That's the harmony between the kingdom of the angels and the kingdom of people. So when Jesus Christ comes to prepare the, or pro- proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, he's talking about how these two are going to be brought back together again in harmony. Everybody with that? You follow where that's? That's what the kingdom of God, that's what the gospel is. So when Jesus is talking to people, he's telling them what it's going to take to have the kingdom of God. He's telling them what the kingdom of God's going to look like. He's telling them how to live in that kingdom of God. He's telling them how to get into the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, he's, he's going to tell Cornel, or um, Nicodemus, listen, unless a man is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God, let alone enter it. If he's not born again, he'll never get into the kingdom of God. You have to be a new person to get in the kingdom of God. You can't just turn over a new leaf or decide you're going to live better. won't work. Unless you have been indwelt by the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never be that new creation that inherits the earth. You can't be there. It's his earth, his world. That's his rules. Fair enough? All right. So he's going to tell the truth about the kingdom. He's going to seek the brokenhearted, the poor in spirit, those needing mercy, those held captive, those bound up to join him, and he's going to offend the self-righteous. Now, look, he told us that all the way back here with these prophets, here's Isaiah, and he's telling us through Isaiah, the Spirit of God is going to be on one individual, this Messiah, and that Messiah is going to look for the brokenhearted. That Messiah is going to appeal to those who are captive. That Messiah is going to appeal to those who are bound. That Messiah is going to speak. You're going to hear the Messiah say, come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what's going to happen when Messiah comes. But I want you to look now with Matthew chapter 4 with me. Matthew chapter 4. Turn back a little bit of the gospel here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Let's see what Jesus is going to tell us there. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee. So where was Jesus? He's going about right? He's on the move. Stop. Health point. Here's a little health note. As I try to tell you, when when you're trying to be someone who can serve the kingdom of God, here are six things that I know you can do that will give you good health, or at least help you with health. Number one, no here's here's all six. Eat, move, sleep, drink, breathe, love. Eat good stuff. Stop eating junk. Processed will kill you. Everybody follow that? That sound blunt? It should. Because it will. Number two, move stop sitting all the time get up and exercise move you say well they didn't do that in the bible no they didn't have to if you don't have a bus that's gonna take you from one place to another and you don't happen to have your own mobile transportation how do you get there on your hooves you walk they walked every place guys They stayed active all the time. Anybody ever built a fire before? Do you know you actually have to collect wood for the fire? They don't just bring it around. You have to go get it. you got to cut it down. Everybody understand what it comes? So move. Eat, move, sleep. Go to bed. Turn off the screen. Whether it's your phone screen, computer screen, TV screen, turn it off. And turn it off about an hour before you go to bed. So you're going to bed at 8, so you turn it off at 7. I'm looking for the amens. Yeah, there we go. All right? Now, look, I'm just saying simply this. Get those eight hours. Get those eight hours. Make sure that your body is getting a chance to live out its truth. Make sure that it's getting to solve the problems, and you're giving it enough time while you sleep to do it. Drink. Drink a lot of water. Not a lot of fluids. You say, well, I, I drink a gallon of coffee. What what else do I need? Well, that may be the problem, okay? But drink a lot of water. Breathe. Actually think about breathing. I know you can breathe. I know you're sitting there breathing right now. But actually think about breathing. Take a good deep breath in, blow it out. Now, if you're doing that right now, be careful about the person that's sitting in front of you. Don't part their hair with your blowing out. Just blow out, okay? Love. Two things love God with your whole heart, and love, uh, love your neighbors yourself. Fair enough? Eat, move, sleep, drink, breathe, love. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Matthew 24, 25. Jesus went about all Galilee, so he is walking around, okay? He is teaching in their synagogues. So Jesus, who is the author of the Scriptures, is now opening the Scriptures in their synagogues, and he's teaching them all the good things that are found there. He is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he's telling them that kingdom is coming. Get yourself ready. Here are kingdom principles. He's healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of diseases among people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, And now that the people are hearing about who this Jesus is, they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Where Jesus was, things were happening. Where Jesus was, everything's starting to change. Let me just ask you this. What do you think is going to happen when a family who has had a paralytic child living in their home, and they've had to be taking care of the paralytic child the whole time, what do you think is going to happen when the paralytic child isn't paralytic anymore? What changes? What is going to change with the care that has to be given to that young man or young lady? Somebody gets freed up all of a sudden. Somebody gets a chance to go somewhere and do something they hadn't done before. Plus, the one who was paralytic goes to work. He's got something he can do now. He can be productive and be active. What if you do that at several times in your community? What if you do that in the community and that those who are demon-possessed now are not demon-possessed anymore and they're in their right mind? Do you suppose anything's going to change in that community? The answer is yes. It is going to change in their community. What happens when a publican who normally is taxing everybody, so what happens when a publican gets saved? Listen, when Zacchaeus got saved, do you remember what he said? Listen, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I'm going to restore it fourfold. And if I've done this and I've done this, I repent. And I'm going to do these things. Do you suppose it's going to change the community at all? And you know, nobody had a protest about publicans. That didn't change a thing or Republicans, or Democrats, Democrats, didn't have those either. Do you understand what I'm saying? There was not some political action that was being done, not some social action being done. Jesus is saving people. And when he's saving people, it changes the community. The politics are going to change in that community. The economies are going to change in that community. What do you suppose happened when Jesus came to uh, places like Athens, when Jesus came to places like Corinth? Do you think the economy is going to change? Yes, it will. Because now if you're not idolatrous and you're not selling little idol trinkets all the time and you're not selling All all this junk that goes with that and all the trappings that goes with idolatry You're going to have to sell your sell something else in its place and it's going to change the economy That's why there were protests many times in the places they went Because people knew that you're going to tear everything up The economy is going to change friends look When Jesus comes to town, things change. That's our system, kids. That's what was given to the church. People ought to be able to say, you know, you're sick. You need to go down to the edge of my Bible church. That's where you get well. What? You've got a problem with a demon. You need to go down to the edge of my Bible church. That's where you get well. Not because it's the Edgemont Bible Church, but because that's where Jesus is. You understand what I'm saying? We ought to be a people who are so binging on the Lord Jesus Christ that he's what drives everything we do here. Every trail life, American Heritage Girl, Awana, Sunday school, senior ministry, everything we do needs to eat, breathe, and smoke the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about it needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ, because when Jesus comes to town, it changes people, and it changes things. Fair enough? When Peter went to speak to the uh, um, legionnaire, the guy who was in charge, centurion, who was in charge of so many things, all he could tell to, uh, to him, to Peter really didn't want to go, if you remember right, and he said to him, as he's telling about Jesus, he said, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That was his summation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he told about the death, burial, and resurrection, and those people got saved right then. Kids, the gospel of Jesus Christ has to go out of here. He was going out all the time. We had a good meeting with elders yesterday, and we were trying to figure out how can we do better in getting out to the community? How can we do better in making this a community center where people know that you want to be healed? It's here. You want to be well? It's here. You want to be free of the the oppressions that come on it? It's here. It's here where the Jesus Christ is. Well, I'm going to go on. I I know there's many other things we could say about that, but uh, we've said there, uh, I think, enough of that. Now, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We've told you what happens when Jesus comes to town. When he came into a region, he was all over that region. He's gaining in, in fame. Everybody is knowing who he is. They're learning about that. They know that the, you bring something to Jesus and they're going to be well. But here's in, Ma- in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Then he went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, kids, the, uh, another passage of Scripture shows this. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue. Now, I'm hoping that every one of you have the custom of entering into fellowship with your brothers and sisters in a church meeting of some kind. I hope that you are meeting with other people. That was Jesus' way. He did meet with all the other people. He came to the synagogue. Synagogues were established as centers of teaching. They were cultural centers. They were community centers. And Jesus went there, and he taught when he was there. But he made a habit of going to synagogue. It was a Sabbath, and Jesus honored Torah. He had given years earlier by honoring the Sabbath. Who is it that rested on the seventh day after creation? It's him. Who is it that's going to tell the people you need to rest on the seventh day? You need to rest at least one day out of the seven. You've got to rest. Who is it that even gives a law to it and says, this is the perpetual covenant that goes on between me and Israel? It's this one. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He, recognizing that the law is what he's about, he wrote the law, he's now keeping the law. He's staying right there on the Sabbath to do just exactly what's there, and he's honoring that Sabbath. And as letter B, he entered synagogue as any other devout Jew. Letter C, he is Lord of the Sabbath. He sets the standard for what it means to rest on the Sabbath. If you've got a question of what it means to rest on the Sabbath, watch Jesus. That's what it means to rest on the Sabbath, because he does not break his own law that he established. Letter D. He takes advantage of the opportunity, and as a rabbi, he teaches them from the Tanakh. He taught like no other rabbi had explained it. He was authoritative, unlike the scribes. Listen to what it says to him. Verse 22, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So they're listening to Jesus, and they know they're getting something they've never got before. Wow, who is this teacher? Okay, so they're astonished by it. Letter E, The Word of God taught by the Son of God, its author, will bring out the Satans. And I'm I'm putting that plural because I'm I'm understanding this. Satan is not a name. Satan is a title. So when you speak of Satan, you're you're speaking of a title of an oppressor, an opposer, someone who's an adversary. I'm just going to say this. There could have been many of the rebellious angels or rebellious cherubim who could have been Satan. They were. That's not his name. That's his title. And matter of fact, when the scriptures are going to show us Satan, he's pictured as a dragon. What's peculiar about that dragon? It has seven heads. Seven heads. That's seven manifestations. There are seven ways. You know, I'm, I'm looking over, and I hope to bring you some more information about uh, someone called Azazel, Azazel, uh, the, um, the goat, the scapegoat. One of the scapegoats was turned loose, and that's what got me interested in this. When it's the Day of Atonement, you take two goats. you cast lots for them, and one of the goats gets killed And one of the goats has the sins of Israel placed on it. And he's turned loose. And it says, To Azazel. What? What does that mean? It is going to be one of the Satans that test Jesus. And by that, I'm saying that's a category, that's a title. Everybody understand where I'm coming from? That's not his name, that's a title. He's testing someone. Well, we'll go on with that a little bit later. You, you have will we, we, we'll do better with it, okay? We bring out the Satans, the opposers, to oppose and expose them. This one is an unclean spirit. Unclean because it has been mixed with something that it is not made for. He is in a human host. Look at this here in verse 23. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And used to when I was thinking of unclean, I thought, well, you know, is this, he just doesn't bathe regularly? What, what, but spirits don't bathe. What makes it unclean? When a spirit is unclean, it's because it gets mixed with something that is, l- 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 I'll give you this illustration. You're going to make an omelet. This was one we used years ago. You're going to make an omelet. And so you, you've got a dozen eggs you're going to make this omelet with. It's a big omelet you're going to make, okay? And so, man, you're pounding away. You got your blender there. You're getting those eggs put in there. And everything through 11 is great. And then number 12 is black and rotten. It's all in the blender. Let me ask you, are you going to scramble that mess? No. Why? Because it's unclean. It's mixed with something that doesn't belong. And no matter what you do, you can take that off there and spread it all out if you want to and determine you're going to pull some of the nasty out. Won't work, kids. The nasty's all through it. This unclean spirit was a spirit that left its own original position and has now taken up a position inside a human host. That's not where it belongs. And that makes it unclean. Everybody follow where I'm at? That doesn't mean that it's a, a sexual thing. That doesn't, it could be, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. It just means it's not where it's supposed to be. So that unclean spirit is um, in verse 23, and he cries out and saying, verse 24, let us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Of course he does. This spirit had been originally in heaven. Has he ever seen Jesus before? Yes. In his non carnate state, he has seen Jesus before. He knows who it is. Spirit recognizes spirit. He knows what he's looking at. He's looking at this Jesus of Nazareth, and he's seeing the same one that sits at the, at the throne of God. He knows who this is. And because he knows that, he's going to expose that. He wants everybody to know look, people thought badly of unclean spirits. And if an unclean spirit is going to identify Jesus, what credibility do you have? So Jesus is going to tell that unclean spirit, shut up. You're not free to talk that. You cannot tell that. Who is supposed to reveal who Jesus is? The Father. The Father is supposed to reveal it, not unclean spirits. So here's what Jesus is going to say to him. Oh, uh, just just to get this, the angels, all those spirits, everything that's rebelled against God in the kingdom of angels, the kingdom of heaven, whatever that is, all of them are going to face a judgment one day too. Just as all people on earth are going to face a judgment, so are all the angels. And all those angels who have rebelled against it do not get a chance to repent Listen, let me make sure. This is one of the reasons that there is such a rebellion going on with the angels. When it came to the people, when they rebelled, tricked by the adversary, but nonetheless when they rebelled against God, God gave them a chance to repent. He does not give angels a chance to repent. If there's any one thing that you can say is a driving force in this world, jealousy is number one. Jealousy of the fact that God shows grace to people and didn't show grace to the angels makes them hate people. In the same way, when God showed grace toward Abel's offering and did not show it toward Cain, Cain doesn't try to kill God, Cain kills Abel. And this unclean spirit has in mind because he's got a. Why? Do I have to die? If I have to die, I'm taking this one with me. I'm not going alone. I'm taking this one with me. So Jesus doesn't reply, Take him with you then. He says, Come out of him. And he has to do it. You follow that? He has to do it. Why? Because Jesus is his creator, Jesus is Lord. The unclean spirits are part of the reason for the preaching of the kingdom of God by both John and Jesus. The pure kingdom of God has been mixed by the principalities and powers trying to take over the kingdom for themselves. This is treason, and Jesus is speaking against it. He is speaking of its restoration to purity and of his own authority over it. So when, that's what we're meaning when Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God. This, the presence of this unclean spirit saying the things that he's saying in this host that he's in is the reason why there has got to be a change in the kingdom of God. Letter G, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He rebukes the spirit and commands him to come out of the man that cleanses the man, but does not cleanse the spirit. It's still an unclean spirit. His rebellion is without the gift of God in repentance. He's doomed. That one doesn't have a chance to repent. He will never get a chance to repent. Letter H. His testimony is rebuked by Jesus for he will not be made known by the unclean spirits and satans of the world. God will reveal who Jesus is for confirmation. He is making God known by his actions. Kids plain and simple. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of the kingdom. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And yes, he came that first time to die specifically to to redeem a people for himself. So his death, burial, and resurrection are extremely, they're they're the very root of the gospel. But the gospel's there because of the restoration of the kingdom. That's what it's about. That's why John and Jesus both preached the restoration of the kingdom. May God bless you in whatever you're thinking right now about the kingdom of God. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who redeems all things, the one who inherits all things, the great one. And we thank you for what you're doing and letting us even know about that. We pray that for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll open our hearts to these great truths. If there's anybody here today, Father, who does not know Jesus Christ, please don't let them leave this place until they put their confidence and their trust in Jesus. Let nothing fearful be in their way. Let Let no excuse keep them from that great decision they need to make this day. In Christ's name, Amen. You know, God uses several analogies for us. He sees us as prisoners in a dark dungeon. Bread sometimes, but no light. And nobody to talk to. He sees us in that prison. And I think some of you will, will know that analogy when, when you realize there's sometimes when you're alone that you know you've got nothing. you got nothing. What Jesus came to do was open that dungeon door and let you out. You see, as long as you're living in the dungeon, you got dungeon life. You know how to go from this corner to that corner to this corner to that corner. You know how to lay on the floor. You know what rats are what. You know what to avoid, you know. And that's all the life you got. Jesus has come to open that door and set the captive free. Get out into the light. Get out where you can see what life is and find out that there's a whole big world out here you didn't know anything about. Come home. Come on home. Let Jesus open that door for you. You can wish all you want to that you're you're going to turn over a new leaf and, and lead a different dungeon life. No, you won't. You can't. Only until you get out. Let Jesus let you out. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do in each one of us. Bless, I pray, the every uh, ear that's heard and every heart that listened this morning, Father, draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this Advent season a reminder once again that Jesus Christ was born. We know, Father, you didn't tell us what the date was, so we're, we're not uh, uh, fooling ourselves and believing somehow we know all this stuff. We don't. We know only that he came. And we know that in that coming, you gave us so much hope. You told us all about it. I pray, Father, that Jesus will get to come during this Advent season into someone's heart and life who's not known him before. Then I pray, Father, that we'll all be anticipating that great and glorious second coming that is going to happen soon. And we we'll give you praise for that. Dismiss us with your grace and peace just now. And let your blessing rest upon this wonderful people. In Christ's name, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at EdgemontBibleChurch.org. That's Edgemont Bible Church, all one word.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.